Hey everybody, it's Justin with Midwest Mealworms. I might sound a little odd on this podcast. I've been fighting off a cold or something, and uh, it's just not going away. So I figured I would just go ahead and make this, uh, get this info out there, and you get to hear a little bit of a different pitch from me. Uh, so it's not the, the same old, same old, right? Um, so today I wanted to talk a bit about heat uh, and heating your, your insect farm um, and, and your insect colony. So it's actually kind of fitting because as I look outside right now, it is negative two, uh, <laughs> which is uh, not always fun. Uh, could be a lot worse. There are places that I saw that are down in the negative 30s and 40s. So I'm grateful we're not that cold, um, but it's still something that uh, that you have to think about when you have an insect farm. So uh, we're going to look at it a couple different ways from a smaller perspective uh, today and then uh, look at it from a larger perspective um, in, in the size of my farm. I'm not going into the, the grander size farms. Um, I don't have experience with that. So my farm is a 20 by 24 uh, square foot area, eight and a half foot tall uh, from a vertical perspective. Uh, so I don't have a huge, enormous warehouse uh, to heat. Uh, I'm going to walk through how I do it, um, some of the things that are important to think about. Uh, but I also want to talk about smaller colonies as well. Um, so let, let's start there. Uh, with a small colony, uh, you might have it in a closet. You might have it in a basement. Uh, you might have it on your countertop, uh, depending on what kind of insects you have and, and what your goals are. Uh, with mealworms and superworms specifically, they need to be around 80 degrees to really efficiently produce. And when I say efficient, like you're maximizing their production. So a beetle, a superworm, or sorry, a mealworm beetle, beetle over its lifetime is going to lay approximately 500 eggs um, by having the temperature at the optimal uh, temp of, of around 80 you're going to maximize that. There's a high probability that that beetle, along with other things like the humidity level, the moisture level, the substrate, um, the, the population, um, but that keeping that temperature optimal is giving you an increased chance of optimizing the, the output from that beetle. Um, so the, the 80 degree mark is really the benchmark. Okay. You don't want to go, go below 60 degrees. And, and we've talked about that in a, in a previous podcast as far as why what's optimal, what's, what's doable, and what you want to avoid. Uh, so listen to some of the, the previous episodes to get some more context around that. But let's talk specifically about applying heat. So if you are in a, an environment where a basement is a great example, uh, in the wintertime, uh, like it is here, uh, there's probably a good 10 degree differential from my upstairs to downstairs as we circulate the air and move things around and heat stuff. That's going to vary, obviously, but generally basements are colder, right? So you, you might look into applying heat into whatever room it is uh, that you are using for your insects. Uh, there's several ways to do that. So depending on your colony size, um, you could look at things like heat tape, where you actually tape a band uh, to the, the container, um, use electricity and a, a temperature probe to uh, then uh, activate that uh, heat tape and then warm that bin that way. Uh, you can do um, ambient heat where you've got you know, a, a heating element, um, a heat fan, heat um, uh, baseboard heat, things like that, uh, that again are just uh, inducing heat into the room. Some things to think about, don't, don't do anything that's unsafe. Um, so make sure you've got proper electricity, make sure you're reading the directions on whatever kind of device you buy to make sure it's far enough away from the wall, don't put things on top of it. All those things are gonna factor in to make sure that, that the tool that you use to do this is functioning efficiently and safely for you, your colony, your family. Um, when you're looking at applying heat, you wanna be careful when you first start doing it. So don't go out there today, buy a, a, a heat element, go to your colony, plug it in, and set that thing to 80 degrees, 
don't do that. Uh, anytime you make a change, uh, especially environment type changes, heat, cool, uh, substrate, feed source, things like that, um, do a, a very gradual, as gradual as you can, so that you can monitor and adjust. Because you're going to change something and you're not going to realize the impact it could, it could have and will have. Um, and even just a simple one to two degree change in your temperature setting on a device can, can change things within your colony. Um, and a, a real good example of that is if you have a system set up where your, your bins are closed, where you've got either lids on them or it's a rubber-made uh, drawer system where that you close that drawer back into the bin, there's still some openings there, but it's a contained uh, microclimate at that point. The heat elements that you apply are going to impact those differently than if you had open bins. So an open bin is much more room temperature uh, equivalent. Uh, where that changes is things like your substrate. If your substrate gets too thick, if your frass and your substrate mixed are mixing in there, you haven't cleaned it out in a while and it gets too thick, it becomes a heat sink. It actually absorbs that heat, con uh, contains it, and um, if your mealworm bin is full of mealworms, they're all rubbing together making friction, that bin could overheat. Um, so these are all things to take into account when you start, start walking through the idea of what sort of heat source am I going to use and how am I going to implement it. So a simple thing like a heat fan, um, you know, 1200 watt or 1500 watt plugs into a, a standard outlet uh, and it's got a temperature gauge on the front of it. Um, grab something like that. They're relatively low cost. I think the one that I use in my farm was 12 or $13. Um, it, it's not uh, super efficient, but it works really well, well in the environment that I've got. And I'll walk through that in a little bit here. Um, but for an indoor application, you know, lo low volume of, of insects, uh, getting something like a 10 to $15 heater, uh, you know, for the space that you're in. If you're in a 30 by 40 room, you're going to need something different than if you're in a, you know, 4 by 8 closet. Um, and the things, things to be thinking about with a closet is, do you have enough space in there from a safety perspective for whatever heat source you're going to use? Um, so, you know, don't go into your, into your closet and start a fire, right? That's not a good idea. But similar things can happen even with an electric heat source um, or heat fan that thing can get really hot. So uh, be careful, you know, think through it critically, uh, ask me questions, uh, talk to electricians, you know, just giving them a call and saying, hey, I have this question, they're happy to help. So get the expertise when you're, where you need it. Um, so once you've got your heat source, um, keep your farm, you know, the, the processes you're doing, the feeding process you're doing, uh, the substrate removal and frass removal, keep all that as, as close to standard and as close to, to similar as what you're doing now as you apply your heat source. So you're going to plug that thing in, um, set it to a lower setting. So if it's 65 in your basement, um, try setting it to see if you can hit 70. A and just watch and see what your colony does. Um, the other thing you want to think about when you're going to start being more controlled around your heat uh, and potentially cooling uh, in the warmer months is getting some sort of temperature gauge or temperature device and process in place. Uh, so you guys have seen on, on all my social stuff, I post about sensor push. Uh, that's, those, those are devices I've used for two and a half years, I believe. Um, absolutely love them. They get me the data I need, how I need it. Uh, works great for me. Uh, there's a lot of other choices out there. There's simpler devices that you just kind of ambient, put them where they need to be, um, and set it and just watch. Um, you know, go check on it. It's not anything that feeds into an app or or uploads to the internet for you to view. 
uh, it's just there so you can go check on it uh, routinely and see where the, the heat is at or where the temperature is at. Um, so scoop up one of those as well. Again, should not be more $10, $15, somewhere in there. It should work perfectly fine for what you're going to do. Um, so put, put that in place, set up your heat source, uh, activate it, and just set it to, to a little bit higher than your current temp. Uh, just to make sure, you know, and, and watch what happens to your bin. Check the temperature in your bin. You know, if you've got that drawer system or you have a lid over it, you're probably going to need a way to get the temperature um, sensor into your um, into your drawer so that you know what that what that microclimate's temperature is. Because you might increase the temperature outside that bin by two or three degrees. How is it going to change inside the bin? That's really what you want to know because that's where your your insects are at. So if your mealworms are inside a bin, if you've cranked the heat, it might be 75 out. It might be 80 in when you factor in the heat from those mealworms moving around. So th that's why you want to do small incremental changes in your, in your farm. Uh, so in, in this case, set up that heat source, turn it up a few degrees higher than, than the current air temperature, and just wait. Let it sit for a week or two. Monitor the temperature. Monitor your colony. Make sure they're not overheating. Make sure you don't see signs of stress like a, a die-off suddenly. Uh, where you start seeing an increased number of, of mealworms dying off, uh, and, and just monitor. Take it easy, take it slow, be patient. You've made it this far, right? Mealworms take forever to grow once they hatch, so you've been through this before. Uh, just continue to be patient, you've got time, and just wait it out. Um, and see how the colony responds. If you set it to 70 and the inside of the bin is 72, you wait a couple weeks, set it to 72, is the inside of the bin going to stay consistent and go to 74? Is it going to get hotter, colder? Just do those different steps in small incremental changes and you'll be just fine. Um, moving into a larger farm, uh, one of the things you really want to think about, uh, again, your, your bins, how things are going to be contained, but what about the building that they're in? Uh, you don't want to buy a heat source and just heat the air if all it's going to do is leave, you know, through cracks, through bad insulation, etc. Uh, so take a look at, you know, how, how the structure is, is built, what's going to work best for the type of structure you have. Uh, so within my farm, what I've got is uh, one of those small heaters, um, the, the 12 or 1500 watt uh, electric heaters um, from a local supply store here. I believe it was $12, $13, uh, pretty low cost. Um, and I set that thing on, I have a concrete floor. I set it on the concrete floor away from the base, away from the walls, uh, and it's plugged into an independent circuit. Um, what I found, uh, it was last year, I believe, I was running the AC, and I'm in central Missouri, so some days you have to run the AC during the day, run the heat at night. Uh, it's fun Mother Nature type stuff. Uh, and what I was finding is that my breakers were not, the electric going to, to the uh, farm wasn't sufficient. So I had an electric electrician come out, uh, ran a bigger wire. I can get more electricity in there and, and have a much safer environment. Uh, so my heat source is now on an independent circuit. My AC is on an independent circuit. Um, and that heat source... You want to, again, so I, I plugged that thing in when I first started uh, using it, um, and even from device to device. So I, d I tried another device as well recently. Uh, it was a, um, uh, more geared towards a, a chicken-type uh, application, a barn application. I did not find it um, worked as well. Uh, the fan was not as, uh, um, as forceful in pushing the heat out into the room, and so it would run a lot more. Um, so the, the smaller fan worked great for me. Um, I plug that thing in, I turn it on its highest setting, and I actually use a temperature device at the wall uh, to, to see what the, or to set the temperature. Uh, and I recently published a, a picture out to um, all of the Facebook um, 
uh, Instagram, Twitter, that sort of thing, uh, put out a picture of, of the device. It's a Daytona device uh, that triggers the outlet. So this is an outlet control uh, mechanism. Triggers the outlet when the temperature drops below whatever you've set it to. So in the middle of my room, I've set it to 75. And I've had to monitor that over time because at the lower, you know, bottom, it heat rises. So at the lower part of the room, it's going to be a little cooler. The upper part of the room, it's a little hotter. Um, so I set that to 75, and I find that up higher, I'm hitting 78, 79, somewhere in there. Um, and I don't try to hit that 80-degree optimal. I want the wiggle room because I'm risk-averse. I don't want the farm to suddenly overheat because the heat ran a little bit too long or something happened. So setting mine at 75 in the middle of the room, I get 78-ish at the top. That gives me some wiggle room uh, because if, if we start getting into the low 80s, 82, 83, 84, the bins really start to heat up, then it could have a, a potential die-off scenario. So I set it a little lower. I do lose some optimum uh, production but I've got that risk averse, uh, you know, in case something happens. So that's sort of the, the heat setup I have now. Um, and that heat source kicks in whenever that temperature sensor says, hey, it's below 75. Um, and I'm able to heat that small room. So it's a 20 by 24 um, um, feet, and it's eight and a half feet tall. Uh, my walls are two by four frame walls with bad insulation, R13, I want to say. Uh, but then I have 2-inch rigid foam. So that rigid foam is a really good uh, way to keep moisture in and out. So it's a, it's a moisture barrier. Um, and it's also a great air sealant so that you control the amount of air that's going in and out. You don't want to build a space that is 100% sealed. Uh, that's not a normal thing in, in you know human spaces like your home. It's not a normal thing in an insect farm because you want air exchange. You want fresh air coming in. Um, and stale air going out. So I sealed mine up fairly good though because my plan was to control the air movement uh, with a, an exhaust fan and with sensors. So um, mine sealed up pretty good and as a result my heat source has to, is pretty minimal. Um, it's a small heater. It's not an enormous thing. It doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh, it literally sits on the floor in about an 8 inch by 8 inch by 10 inch um, uh, area. Uh, so it, it is a great way to optimize within my farm. But it was that initial prep of the room. Uh, oh, and I forgot to mention, um, I usually am, am pretty uh, good at uh, remembering the vertical stuff, but uh, the ceiling uh, has blown in insulation. And so um, I went through the process of sealing up the, the uh, seams uh, from the top portion of the farm, and then I had blown in insulation. Uh, I believe I went to 15 inches here in central Missouri. That's the recommended max. You're not going to get a whole lot of benefit from going thicker than that. Uh, so there's a good heat source uh, or a good um, buffer there at the top as well. So all that does really well to, to hold that uh, temperature inside the farm uh, so that you do, you don't, I don't have to run heat or AC all the time. Um, and, and the other things that factor in are so my bins are open. So you guys have seen my bins. Um, I, I post the farm all the time. Uh, they're the open white trays. So I don't close that. It allows the, the heat that might build up within a bin to expel. Um, out into the farm so that the heat uh, stays very similar within a bin itself. Uh, the other thing I use in my farm is I, I have one of those laser uh, heat guns. So you just point it at something, um, activate it, and it will tell you what the, the heat temperature is on whatever surface it is that it's hitting. So I'll go around my farm from time to time and move the, the substrate and frass around, see what the temperature is within that frass, 
uh, and just make sure that everything is normal. Um, weird things can happen, right? A, a door could be cracked open accidentally. Um, the temperature could suddenly plummet, uh, and you might need to turn the heat up in order to account for that because it's got to work harder. Um, all these little things that are just sort of maintenance type items that you got to stay in tune with what's going on in the farm. So the, the um, th that temperature sensor is a really great way. It's a, an awesome tool to help understand what the temperatures are within the microclimates of your bins. Um, so I highly advise that. Um, the low-cost item uh, that shouldn't cost more than 8 or $10 at a, a local supply store, um, Harbor Freight is a great one here for those types of tools that you're going to use but aren't going to abuse and, and use every second of the day. Uh, so that, that's the heat source um, spiel that I wanted to go through this morning. Uh, I figured I would talk through that since it's so cold outside. Um, you got to keep those insects warm so they're producing, uh, getting you the output that you need for all your critters and, and uh, chicks and everything running around. So uh, if you guys have questions, please let me know. Happy to answer. Uh, hopefully you got some value out of this. Um, everyone's application is going to be a bit different. So please reach out to me. Ask me questions. Uh, I love seeing feedback from folks. Uh, if you have a, a question about your specific setup, um, let's let's chat. So message me, text me. Um, um, so send uh, mealworms. Uh, the, the keyword is mealworms or superworms. Uh, either one of those will work. Shoot it over to me at 555-888. Uh, find me on social, Facebook, uh, Midwest Mealworms LLC, Instagram, Midwest Mealworms, Twitter, Mid Midwest Mealworm. I'm not sure how I left the S off that one. Um, must have been a late night or something or early morning. Um, uh, but find me out there on YouTube as well, a bunch of videos. Um, I do have it on my list to go through this type of conversation visually uh, and post it out to YouTube so you can see the, the fan I'm using, talk through some of the nuances around there, just get a better visual. So hope to hear from you and have a great rest of your day. Bye.